Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. I'm a professional intuitive, but I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, August 29th, 2020, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm talking about how the current times are affecting our dreams and aspirations and about how to adapt your concepts of career and purpose to meet this strange moment. Although this whole episode kind of feels like one big oracle message to me, I did pull a card and it was really just too perfectly appropriate. So as always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show. Be thinking about a question or concern you have. Hold it in your mind. I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra message. In personal news, Stephen and I celebrated our one-year anniversary yesterday. Um, If you're interested in just how huge that is for me and you haven't already listened to it, I encourage you to listen to the Love Curse series. It still blows my mind a little bit that I captured all that as it was happening. Before I forget, I want to say a quick thank you to my newest supporters on Patreon, Devlin and Michelle Coelho. Thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show, and access extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. This message may be steeped in the moment of the 2020 pandemic era, but I hope at whatever point in time you find it, you were meant to hear it. So if you're listening to the archives and my past is your present, you should still take this as a sign for what you're considering. My commute to the town where Stephen lives is 28 miles one way. Over the past year, I've come to look forward to these drives because they opened up this whole new opportunity for me to listen to music, which was something I've done so much more in past parts of my life than I have in recent years. Once I started working from home, my time in the car was usually only sort of 10 minutes here or there, and on an occasional longer drive... I usually prefer to listen to longer format audio like podcasts and audiobooks. So now I have my 30-minute drive through the mountains a couple times a week to look forward to, and it's perfect for listening to music. If I don't have an album that's on heavy rotation, which again, the perfect amount of time forward and back to just really, you know, listen all the way through to whatever album you're obsessed with at the moment. Um, But if I don't have one of those that's just burning in my ears, um, my favorite thing to do is just to shuffle all of the liked songs on my Spotify playlist, like Anything you give a heart to goes in this one playlist that's called Liked. And then you can just shuffle from among the thousands of songs and all the time periods of everything that you've loved. 
and see what comes up. My friend Seth and I refer to this phenomenon of um, the shuffle in iTunes or Spotify or whatever streaming platform you might be listening on as the ghost in the machine. And it may sound kind of borderline ridiculous to some people how much I really, really feel like there is some intelligence or awareness behind digital shuffling. Seth and I think of it almost as one of our spirit guides or at least one of our guides sort of DJing for us. And, you know, it's a form of divination, you know, this uh, randomized automation. And songs and their lyrics are messages. Sometimes it feels like it's just a simply perfect reading of my mood, the things that it chooses. Um, I talk to this entity, this DJ, and sometimes he's just really off with the things that he's picking for me. And I'm like, no, you know, like I want to rock out. And you're like picking ambient stuff. And I actually had to go through and take all the ambient music that I like out of my liked songs um, just so it won't put too much of the brakes on some of the, you know, more like rock and roll and alternative stuff or whatever, pop music, you know songs you want to drive to so there are also these days when it feels like it's just the perfect playlist you know like someone is creating the soundtrack to my moment and I don't even have to skip a song there's no bad song it's just picking one right after the other and it's perfect and when that happens I feel I don't know, really right in the world. Like it's, it's one of those things that contributes to a moment of just feeling very present and grateful and, you know, happy to be me in my life and, you know, driving to see my boyfriend jamming out to some stuff that I love. And yesterday I had that happen and it was a series of songs that came up, but one of my favorite songs ever Um, is the song Now or Never Now by the band Metric. I actually, I think I did an entire podcast about that song and um, at least titled uh, the podcast episode after Now or Never Now. Um, Some of the lyrics are talking about my life being on pause, how it's out of my hands. Um, You know, to perform some kind of reverse maneuver is just simply impossible. Um... It's a really cool song, lyrically and just musically. But um, so I was like, yeah, you know, like whenever I hear that song, it it makes me feel especially pumped up because of its message, because of its vibe. And then when it aligns with that moment of me being in the car, um, it's just pure like energy and bliss. And right after that song came on, uh, the Spotify Ghost in the Machine did that weird thing where I, even though there are thousands of songs on this liked shuffle list, it actually picked another song from the same band, the same album. And it was one that I really never connected very much with having the same theme. I never really thought of very, about it very much. But there's another track on that album called Holding Out. Um 
And one of the lyrics that struck me as being connected to Now or Never was the line, holding out for the right time. What if the right time never arrives? And then there's that famous expression, be here now, you know, be present, live in the moment. Um, There's a refrain throughout that song, am I ever going to be here now? And I never realized because they're not lined up on the album track in order. Um, Those songs don't necessarily occur close together. And I never really realized that the song Holding Out was sort of a callback to Now or Never or the other way around. I can't even remember which one comes on first, but it doesn't matter. The thing that happened to me in that moment yesterday, and by the way, I'll I'll link to those songs in the show notes if you want to listen to them, because you should. Um, But the reason why I'm telling you this now is that the message in those songs, especially with them coming together, really underscores this pattern in the conversations that I've found myself having with my friends and my clients, a couple of my family members too, over the past several months. It's like everyone keeps bringing me this same conversation and um, I don't think they're necessarily noticing it. It feels very you know, singular and solitary to them, but to me it's like, wow, here it is again, this other person's version of this same statement, the same decision or choice. This horrible time, you know, this awful chaos, this bad economy and social unrest and the pandemic, the loss of American democracy, you know, right before our eyes, the authoritarian takeover, authoritarian takeover of previously free pre- people, you know, in, in many countries around the world, um, this global recession, um, the economic depression that's coming even under the best of political circumstances will be pretty epic I feel and um, it's going to take some time to correct it and you know that's just the mindset that I'm in right now and even though I'm like observing all this you know sort of gloom and doom and and bracing myself for it or, or, or sort of preparing to run a marathon here um is that there is this weird, bright spot of hopefulness of these just flames being lit over and over again. Everybody keeps coming to me with their lighter on, you know. And I'm standing up here on stage and it's starting to look like one of those arenas, you know, where everybody's holding up their lighter. And all of the negative, swirling crap that I just mentioned sounds like the worst time to go for your dreams, you know, go out on a limb, try something. If it's a dream, you know, you really can never afford to wait. If you're waiting on things all around you and outside you to be better first, you know, you're going to be waiting a long time and, and you may miss out. What if the right time never comes, you know? And we're reminded now more than ever that we don't have a lot of time or we're really painfully aware that, well, shit, you know, nine months ago, my life was pretty freaking great. And, um, you know, by comparison, so many things are a struggle and 
you know, at best a distraction, at worst catastrophic. Lots of jobs are gone. Entire careers have been put on hold. And a lot of those fallback positions, I was talking to this friend of mine about this, um, who is also more of an artistic career professional. Um, those jobs that we always relied on, especially when we were younger, uh, you know, putting ourselves through school or that we always had as our backup pay the bills thing while we're working on the other thing, you know, waiting tables, bartending, food service, retail. Those are just no longer an option. You know, the thing that you always told yourself, I mean, I've even said it to myself or to other people within the last few years. If for some reason I couldn't do my business anymore, um, I would probably go bartend again because it's a really easy way to make money that doesn't necessarily drain um, the parts of my brain that I use for all this other stuff. And um, it seemed like drudgery and a, a you know slave labor back when I had to do it. But um, in more recent years, I've thought, yeah, it wouldn't be the most horrible thing in the world if you needed to make some money for a while to go and you know wait tables again at night or something like that. That's not there anymore. We can't go back to doing the little things that we did for jobs and money. Um, it's just almost like the very things that we would reach for are the ones that that we just can't grab hold of anymore. They're not there. And a lot of people I know are attempting to reinvent themselves. Of course, most of my friends are you know, middle-aged at this point. Um, and this whole idea of reinvention in this moment it's no longer just aspirational it's no longer like ooh this cool thing i want to do when i grow up it has now moved into adaptation it's survival the thing that you dreamed about is suddenly a really serious option so here's the pattern that I'm noticing. A lot of the ideas that people used to see as aspirational are now their best, or in some cases, only options for work and occupation and making money. It's like the side hustles have been moved onto the main stage. Passion projects have become desperately needed potential income streams. They're not just fun money anymore. They're grocery money. And working from home is this creeping shift in society. It's been going on for the past few decades. And now it just suddenly poured over the cliff and became this waterfall. And the way people do business, even in positions that they've been able to keep during this whole shakeup, um, have really changed in practice, in location, in environment, and probably more importantly to your daily um, health and wellness, the routine of it all has changed. All the people you know who finally get to work from home, you know, welcome aboard, guys. <laughs> um, I just want to say that I personally think it takes about two years 
to find those routines and that rhythm working from home. It has its own kind of distractions, its own kind of pitfalls. And, you know, don't stress if you're still adjusting just a few months into this. Um, The parts you like about it are easy. Uh, The parts that are uncomfortable or may feel like they're hard for you to control, um, you get better at managing those. I could do a whole series of shows about working from home. Um, I retired from the job market in 2003. So I'm saying that to you as, you know, someone looking back and observing those first two, three, or four years of just not doing the normal kind of nine to five routines anymore. And how long that actually took me to settle all that in a way that really felt healthy and peaceful and and also productive. So some other examples of of just these conversations and these situations and these contexts that people brought to me. I have a friend whose restaurant closed, um, but her eBay business, which she always thought of as just like a side hustle, has grown as a lot of online shopping has grown. Um, And with the extra time on her hands and now the intention of like, oh, well, I have to reinvest myself somehow. um, The eBay business has the potential to grow more than ever. And it's not the extra money on the side anymore. It's the breadwinner. And the cool thing is, the thing that's surprising her the most is being able to do the eBay full time is still less stress and more joy than running the restaurant ever was. It's more independent. There aren't as many, you know, things, balls to keep in the air and, and, and people to um, manage. And it has the potential of, when given this full-time attention, be a better money-making career than the restaurant was. Um two completely different friends of mine have, you know, seen this opening to finally make their jewelry businesses happen. And that may sound like a luxury item, but people still want to buy smaller priced items to make them feel better. There's still a lot of people stuck at home with the income and the shopping impulse. Um, you know, who are in a circumstance that it still may be a little bit depressing, even if their income hasn't changed, their lifestyles changed. And uh, we're seeing that shifting in retail and what people are buying and the things that they're gravitating towards. So um, I have a friend who's online t-shirt and sweatband business, um, which was a solid business for, you know, several years, like a decade. But she has constantly just always talked about how her other more successful friends from fashion design school and people who are in the fashion business um she's always felt like they kind of looked down upon her t-shirt sweatpant business a little bit and it's actually more of like a loungewear line um but she calls it t-shirt and sweatpants in a kind of disparaging way to reflect the fact that she always sort of felt like she was doing lesser than what other people were doing with her with the same sort of creativity and um training and she and I were talking about how those people are now struggling to find a market. 
they are out of work, their shops are closed, um, but suddenly everybody's buying up loungewear online because everybody's staying at home. You know, everybody's working from home and they've got a computer set up the kitchen table. And, you know, you do reach this point, by the way, in staying home where you start to become really uncomfortable with just the fact that you're not wearing anything, you know, that doesn't look like what you wear on laundry day or what you wear to sleep in. And so, you know, this athleisure, cool loungewear, um, slightly better than, you know, thrift store or hand-me-down t-shirts and sweats um, has suddenly, you know, become this niche in online clothes shopping that has exploded. And she hasn't really changed anything much, but her attitude about what she's created has suddenly been re-energized. And it was really cool to see her kind of not feeling like the runt of the litter anymore in the, in the group of people that she moves with. Um, a musician I know whose day job has been, you know, doing sound engineering type of work, real, you know, like studio session work, that basically evaporated. Um, but then he has these independently produced personal music projects like um, ambient songs, um, royalty-free soundtrack music that he sells to people to use in videos and advertising, um, you know, the kind of music that I use at the intro to my show. That's, you know, a royalty-free um, piece of music that uh, somebody you know, made and put up and, and sells in order for me to license and use. And so he does a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, just here and there, just dabbling, just getting little bits of music out. Uh, so that, because, you know, that's his passion. Uh, that's the reason why he's in the music business at all. And now that he doesn't have all the session work, he's just got all the equipment and all the skill and all the know-how to do nothing but kind of work on these all these little side projects of his and you know he's really able to increase the number of tracks that he has available and he's finding that there is enormous potential to scale that and the thing that always happens and I, and I talk to a lot of editors who are also writers and they get in this trap as well they make money editing and it's adjacent to what they do, but it also takes away from their own time to pursue their own projects. You know, editing other people's books um, is in a kind of competition with writing your own books. And even though you carve out the time for it and, you know, do your best to, to juggle that and to find balance, it still ends up getting the short end of the stick. And so same kind of situation with him where he's suddenly finding that, Oh, he's got the whole stick to himself. Um, there's a client of mine who was dabbling in a new healing modality, you know, something of her own creation and it suddenly feels more desirable. And she's seeing this weird shift and in interest of her clients to this one particular thing. And she was saying to me, you know, that's kind of the newer thing that I do. And it's the thing I'm still experimenting with, but it's also kind of the thing I love. And I've never really put it out there as much as one of my, 
you know, major techniques for people to connect with. It has always been a little bit behind the counter, you know, back room only for people that she knows really well. And she was kind of looking for affirmation. Hey, am I crazy to like really go all in on this and put this out there? Um, because she's been doing all this other stuff successfully for years. And then suddenly, you know, the quirky little eccentric thing she's doing on the side is, is seeing a lot of energy. Of course, I encouraged her to go for it. I think you have to follow that. Um, one of my dearest friends who in the, the world of psychics, who is a gifted evidentiary medium and has been one uh, naturally for many years, um, and who has done a lot of training and, and a lot of practice work, is finally discovering this as the right moment to sort of go in, all in on having that be his career full time um, as a medium. And it's also his dream. And it's weird how the thing that we're so good at and we love so much, we're also afraid to F up. And I think one of the reasons why we do that is because having it out there in the future gives us this sort of carrot on a stick to constantly aspire towards. And it's really scary to think about, you know, it's like what, you know, what happens to the the dog that catches the car, you know, what do you do then? What do you do if you actually take that down um, out of the sky and grounded in reality? You know, that's a big risk because if you destroy it or kill it or it doesn't f- work anymore, you know, then how, how do you replace that? It's valuable to you as a dream that is unachieved. It has enormous uh, potential to energize you and motivate you in, um, in the abstract form. So that's kind of what we're talking about is this idea of all these things that felt like abstracts are now becoming grounded in the practical in a different way. My own partner, Stephen, went from you know, having a booth at a farmer's market a few times a year, just a couple of years ago, to taking the chance on having his own shop about a year-ish ago, a um, year and a half. He makes and sells natural medicines, by the way. And COVID turned his two-month flu season bump you know, like a lot of small businesses, you have this certain period of year where you make like the majority of your money for the rest of the year. And for him, that was flu season. It was in the winter. It was sort of a two-month period where he would sell a ton of his products that are immunity boosting. And the bump because of COVID, basically the flu season for his business just never ended. It became a 365 demand and it just never stopped and it grew and it's kept going. And, you know, a couple of months ago, I was talking about when my book was going to be due and I was going to be publishing. And he kind of was, you know, like cringing a little bit like, um, would it be really annoying if I decided to make this major expansion on my own business at the exact same time? Um, so that timing was a little bit crazy, but. I also understood that he was connecting to um, this sense of, of movement and shift, and he was responding to it in a very similar way to me. 
And, you know, ultimately he ended up moving to a larger location. It's right on Main Street in his town. It's in a high traffic area. It's, you know, a huge investment. It has double the overhead. But my prediction was, you know, I actually think you'll see three times the profit. Um, and, you know, it's it's scary um, given the financial climate to invest a chunk of your savings. And, you know, I was reminding him about the fact that different kinds of businesses emerge and develop and thrive during different conditions. And there are also certain personality types who thrive in those same kind of uncertain conditions because that swirl of particles breaking up in in the energy field become this kind of material for recreation and invention and it takes a certain kind of person who doesn't go and hide from that but who wades in and goes oh cool <laughs> this will be fun you do have to be brave to do what i'm talking about you know it, it it's a gutsy thing you have to be willing to jump when everyone else freezes what does it mean to be the only person who jumps there's an advantage in that there's enormous risk and sometimes you know there's a crash and burn but somebody jumps and the people who take that leap are a lot more likely to make it to that next transition whatever that looks like and it may be safety it may actually be that the person who takes the risk is the one that survives better than the person who freezes and hides and hunkers down. And I'm not talking about that in any kind of way, you know, to reflect like social distancing or not wearing masks or whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of risk if, if there sounded like there was a similarity there. I'm talking more metaphorically about the idea of risk and safety. Um you got to balance, you know, you got to juggle all that stuff. But the thing that's kept coming up for me a lot in all these conversations with all these people is I find myself as I do, you know, um, with this metaphor that wants to be um, talked about in a mixed and wacky way of these sort of big boats versus life rafts and tenders, I believe on a yacht. The smaller service craft vessel, vessel is called a tender. Um, it's it's smaller. It's more nimble. Um, it's less expensive. It's not as big and and fully developed as you know the thing that you call the yacht. Um, it's the little vessel that you take exploring and that you go fishing on, and it's the one that you can take to and from the shore when you can't dock the bigger vessel. The big boats are out to sea right now and they can't come into port. Nobody is allowing you to dock and travel in the same kind of way and, you know, storms are coming. Um, my high-end consulting and training business has been the stable big chunk of income for years. That's my super yacht, my cruise ship. It's got tons of guests on board, and it is built to accommodate others. And um, it involves a lot more, you know, interaction between me and someone else. It's me um, guiding someone else through a creation. It's a collaborative type of business. Um, 
I always thought of my small ticket creative products uh, as little life rafts, the tenders, the jet skis that are sort of attached to this bigger vessel, but they're also more independent of it. Um, They just sort of swim around like a school of minnows around a shark. And for me, those are my different pen names, fiction, novels, eBooks, audio. Um, This podcast is kind of like my main tender. Uh, Interesting that that word also means money. Um, Not that this podcast is my has been my main source of income by any stretch. I wish it was. Um, It's not, it doesn't generate a a full-time income by any means, but it does serve that larger vessel. And it was really originally meant to do that. But it's also a digital product unto itself, and it's relatively inexpensive for those of you who support it to do so. So it it kind of does double duty. And people can't invest in high-end consulting right now. They either can't or they feel fearful of doing it, or some of the people who use those services are no longer, their businesses are not working the way that they used to. They're not in the same position to... Um, hire and bring on people to do business coaching. There um, are people who are just kind of teaching themselves, maybe who are new to it, who under other circumstances might have hired a consultant. Uh, They're more likely to wing it, which is cool. Uh, That's how I got started. It also um, creates an enormous swell in the market for, like I said, some of those lower ticket items, the people who are writing books about this stuff. Um, Consulting is a shortcut, and it's kind of like a shot of steroids if you're doing something and you really want to shorten the um, research time and and come out with with a stronger plan to implement. Um, it's, It's... so effective if you are able to um, attain those kind of resources. It's always going to be valuable. But right now, with the economic client uh, climate, it may be at least perceived to be out of reach. Um, there may also be people who would normally spend their money assuming that the money was going to keep coming like it has been, and they're fearful that even though things might be relatively okay for them, how long is that going to last? How many more dominoes are going to fall here in the, you know, the next year or so. But so, you know, I'm talking about myself because it's the business that I know. um, And I know a lot of you out there can relate to what I do um, because you're, you know, similar creative people yourselves. But the thing is, is that books are still selling. Books and audio are being consumed even more right now than ever before. There's nothing more desirable as a product. So all these little things that I thought of as cute little extras, um, I love them. They're like my pets, but they weren't my cash cows. Those little income streams are not extra anymore. 
they're no longer just the projects that I enjoy the most. They're the one thing that still works. They're the one thing that suddenly like, ta-da, we're not going anywhere. We actually got better. And I was about a year into an 18-month plan to launch another new pen name um, so I could write in a different genre when COVID hit. And I thought for the past several months, uh, past year, that I was just, you know, building another cool little jet ski to zip around in and have some fun on until I realized that the cruise ship of consulting that I've been living on for years had started taking on water. And suddenly, my new pen name might be more than a fun pleasure craft. It may actually be an escape vessel. Um, it's ramping up with the potential to do really well. And I thought, used to think that was just, okay, cool. And now it's like, oh, awesome. You know, it's a light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Now, I can't see shore. But if I'm going to take off, I kind of need to do it now. So I moved that timeline up. And like my partner, and like my other friends and clients that I mentioned, I've invested a chunk of my savings into just supporting me while I take a chance on launching that earlier and launching that in a much bigger way than I even intended. Up until a few months ago, these kind of endeavors, mine and everyone else's, always seemed, you know, a little bit on the self-indulgent side. Pie in the sky, wishes, dreams, castles in the clouds, the cool stuff that we do. Do it when you can, not because you have to. But what if your passion is connected to your instinct for adaptation? You've probably felt this in your bones. It's like in the back of your mind, the sneaking suspicion what if the things you most want to do are also the things that you should be doing? What if the day job you hate that pays the bills is really just this kind of mirage of mediocre stability? What if the passion project ended up making you more money and bringing you more joy than that job ever could or ever will? What if one novel brought in a bigger Amazon paycheck than all the other nonfiction tutorials and the consulting and the safer, relatively publishing business models. I remember starting an online business out of desperation. I was housebound with my own personal health crisis and starting a home-based business was the only job option I had. It was the only thing that I could do. It was scary and it was lean for a while. And the life-changing moment that happened for me was the year that I did my taxes and I realized that I finally made more than the highest corporate salary that had ever been paid in a past job. And then not long after that, 
I reached a point where I thought, well, shit, nobody would hire, nobody would pay me this much money to do anything else practical. Um, it's a small needle to thread. I get it. It's a small mark to hit, but the longer you wait, the harder it may be to reach it at all. And at some point, you may have drifted too long to make a move. The chaos and uncertainty we're living in right now feels like a kind of permission. Fuck it. What have I got to lose? Saving face? You know? making a fool out of myself is that the issue if I fail so what you know it kind of feels like there's failure all around and mine might not be so noticeable or interesting to anybody else and it might not seem so foolhardy um you know who's going to notice if you start screaming at the top of your lungs in the middle of a storm risk belongs to chaos They're partners in crime. Everything being shifted around is an opportunity to switch everything up. And I know I may sound weird because I get all the grief and the despair and the hand-wringing and the stress and the anxiety. I'm in tune with all of that too. But there is this one little song that plays against all that backdrop and it feels like an opportunity change is inevitable it's the only constant in the universe resisting change is futile going back again that's a feat of impossible magic the past is over lean forward Be here now. It's now or never. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shifterspirits.com. You can also download a free ebook and a meditation to help you connect with your guides. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or with one of our featured practitioners, please go to sladeroberson.com readings. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. This is about going after what you want, playing both offense and defense. You may be burdened with thoughts like, am I good enough to be here and experiencing other forms of imposter syndrome? Stop it. 
remember who you are, review all your previous accomplishments, and know that you got to where you are for a reason. Fight with integrity and honor when you face your challenges. Stand your ground when necessary and don't back down. Persevere through this challenge like you have in the past. Not everybody will like you, but they will respect you for standing up for yourself. And I'll talk to you later.